Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer Podcast. I'm Chris Thurston and today I'm joined by Tom Senior. Hello. And Rich McCormick. Hello. Rich, what is your favourite musical instrument? The oboe. Why? What? It's got a funny name. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the only one that sounds like it could be like a sad man making a sad noise. But it doesn't sound, it sounds like a sad man making a bad noise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it sounds like, it's like the name. That or the, um, I don't know. Cor anglais? It's got a funny name as well. It's just it's French. <laughs> Tom? It's quite nice. Um, partial to a saxophone. Mm. Do you like a good saxophone? Yeah. You play all the instruments, though, don't you? I play, I play, I've played a bit of saxophone, but now I'm poor, so I can't afford one. Mm. So, yeah. No rich man sax for you. Oh. <laughs> one day. I like synthesizers. <laughs> just thought I'd share that. Okay. What's your so, favourite synthesizer sound? See, mine's more of a kind of. I knew I liked it for a reason. Mine's more of a kind of like the kind of a flatter kind of. That is quite nice. Yeah, it's very seventies. Very seventies. Very Mass Effecty as well. Yeah, indeed. It's one of those I like Mass Effect so much. Yeah, good job making that relevant to people who listen to this. Okie dokie. So, Tom, what have you been playing? Let's see. For some reason, over the weekend, I decided to dive back into Dragon Age Two after I got halfway through it and then got enormously distracted. Like a squirrel, <laughs> too many nuts. Um, so, <laughs> like a squirrel or by a squirrel? Uh, like a squirrel. Okay. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, got back into Dragon Age Two again, and by got back into, I mean got quite seriously, seriously, like immersed in it. Like mm. dove straight back into that story and that world and that city, and just kind of really enjoyed, uh, just kind of enjoying those. It's like a series of short stories. Mm. Uh, I, just, I just love the structure of that game. I just love the way it's panned out, the way it stays in this one location, and you see the politics of it change, and you kind of. That, it's got that it's such a long character arc, the story of Hawk, the way you kind of um, you enter as a peasant and climb yeah. the ranks and slowly become this awesomely important person. How far do you go with it? Have we finished yet? Uh, no, no, no. Um, I'm like just at the end of Act 1, but uh, I still remember kind of a lot of Act 2. Mm. But I'm so playing as a mage this time. I played a rogue the first time around um, because, uh, as we, we talked about this, but the story is so much more relevant to Hawk if you're a mage because yeah. the Chantry stuff and uh, the fact mm. that mages are persecuted uh, it's kind of one of the things where it, ma- it makes the story more relevant but it's more ridiculous from moment to moment because I'm walking around in a dress with a massive staff on my back and every two feet I get into a massive fight and burn a load of dudes with magic and then I go uh, go back to the Templar and he says good job <laughs> the Templars who are supposed to be hunting mages and I've just clearly yeah. done his job for me? Him. Mage? No. <laughs> what mage? Just what? a stick and I this like... isn't a staff I just, I just use it to walk <laughs> I like my that. airy feeling of my trousers <laughs> Yeah, I love, I love the like the political side of it. Is is definitely the thing that I love the most about it. Like the fact that, like you say, you go back and you feel that the city changes every time, and you mm. feel like the things you do actually have an impact on things, and your character changes over time. Instead of just actually, you know, I've made a choice in invert commerce, and you go back, and that person you made the choice with is still standing there. Seventy hours later, that person's gone on and moved on, and mm. maybe is dead or alive or has a child or doesn't have a child or is trapped in some weird mirror magic dimension where they're beset by demons all the time depending on what you said to them it's the most unlucky outcome yeah. of a conversation with hawk. Yeah. hey go into that mirror see what happens it, it all went wrong since i chatted to that hawk guy i also really like that they didn't kind of lock you into a, a single people criticize it for not having a single central thread like mm. mass effect does like dragon mm. age one does but i really like that you know it's not the traditional bioware thing where two hours in you've got your big bad guy and you know what you're destined to do and who you're going to defeat that it is actually just taking one character through a series of initially seemingly disconnected mm. parts in their mm. life which is kind of i much prefer that structure actually i think it's much more it's got the story open. of the city isn't it yeah. yeah yeah i really wish i'd done like dragon age colon for elder dragon age colon okay, obviously this is basically mm. dragon age 
Kirk War. Yeah. Kirk War, it's a story of Kirk War, the story of Hawkeye and Kirk War, much more about the city. Mm. And I wish they'd done that for like five or six different cities. It's kind of short development time, like a you know, 50 hour RPG that you can put within a city and get mm. a flavor mm. for the place. It gives you a lot more lore and backstory and like flavor again than mm. I think a lot of other games do. Where you just go to a village and go to one building and you're allowed in that one building and then back out again to a new village with a new building. Yeah, it feels like that short development turnaround has uh, did have a, a quite restraining knock-on effect to a lot of Dragon Age 2. I mean, um, the way the, the city, the stories are beautiful and they change and your relationships with people change and people who are um, nobody in the first act are maybe very important in the third act and mm. you get that sense of change. But visually, nothing changes and it was all the same streets. It's all the same. You know, maybe the Canary will be in a different place yeah. in this particular part, but for the most part, it is you get that feeling of that kind of copied and pasted feeling, which yeah, a lot of people have really, really mm. hated, and that really kind of they felt like it didn't mm. wasn't Dragon Age to them. I think, uh, I mean, it, I don't think it was a rushed game necessarily. I think it was a game that was made on a short turnaround. Um, you know, sort of Dragon Age One was sort of famously not really no one really knew what to do with it because it had been in production for like ten years mm. and it had a bunch of different names and it changed focus. And then obviously, sort of EA came in and they kind of put it out, not expecting it to do well, and it did really well and justified a sequel. But again, how much? How, what do you, how do you deal with that? And so I don't think it was a case of rushing it necessarily, but knowing that we've got a finite amount of resources, we're going to spend it all on loads of voice acting mm. and mm. do that side of it. And, oh, hopefully no one will notice that we've done the same cave. Yeah. People yeah. really notice. I mean, I do, yeah, people really notice. I do think it's its writing team's game in a big way because like, oh, yeah. there's, so, there's more incidental dialogue between characters in Dragon Age 2 than any other Bioware game. No, definitely by far. And the characterization, I think, is better than in most. Yeah. I mean, it's better yeah. than... In certain ways, it's much better than Mass Effect 3's, mm. whereas Mass Effect 3's is, you know, he's, as much as I love that game as well, it's very, he's the hero, he's a, he's a baddie, he's a goodie, whereas this is a lot more, you know, you have Meryl, for example, who ends up being a really nice little sisterly kind of character that turns out to be a bit of a psychopath and wants yeah. to kill everything all the time. I think it's a lot smarter than, I mean, mm. when I, I mean, I, I love Dragon Age 2 because the interaction between characters was so natural and, and kind of smart. And like, if you're walking around with Aveline and Isabella, mm. um, Isabella teasing Aveline about her boyfriend is, is like just com written completely naturally. And there's very little of kind of like high fantasy drama in that. Yeah, um, And my favorite thing with Mass Effect 3 was they kind of picked up on that as well. And there's a whole bunch of character moments in Mass Effect 3 that have nothing to do with space war mm. that are just, oh, someone's gotten drunk yeah, or something. Like having those kind of like human moments, for want of a better word, mm. that by where we're good at but don't do enough yeah it's a good game hmm. what have you been playing Rich? I've been playing a, a whole load of Dota 2 actually mm -hmm. with, with you yeah. as well you know and with some other people as well we've got kind of a nice little gank squad roaming the, the wilds of the internet now gank squad is, is both giving and receiving yes <laughs> I, yeah. hate, I hate that phrase gank squad <laughs> it's like a it's, combination of words yeah it's, it's weird how quickly like so we kind of we all decided that we didn't really know anyone who knew how to play Dota very well. So we all decided seemingly individually and then together to just start learning ourselves. And now there's about this kind of revolving door of games writers who are playing at the same time and are learning at the same time. And originally there's kind of articles people pitched like, oh, I don't know anything about Dota. Let's, let's I write an article where I'm not learning anything. It takes me a month to understand how the game works. And within a week, everyone's playing 50 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. And it's suddenly like, oh my God, I can't believe you mid-laned when it's so oh, obvious that you should be. Why didn't you cancel the backswing, yeah. Rich? <laughs> it's, it's things like this that, that immediately, you know, learning other languages is hard, you think, until you start to learn one without really realizing it. Yeah. Like the language of Dota. Happened to me with StarCraft as well. Like I can, mm, It feels like that for me as well. I can now speak StarCraft and I can, I'm learning how to speak Dota. And it's weird how quickly how quickly you can kind of pick that up. What is terrifying about I mean, I played League of Legends before, and I, th I feel like I never un I understood it, but I never got good at it. 
I still feel like after however many hours of Dota now, probably about 30 hours, I still don't understand it. There's still parts of it I don't understand. Like, we only recently started to experiment with wards, the things that let you see other things, basically, that you're not supposed to see, so true sight, things like that. So you can see cloaked heroes, or you can see down in places we haven't got vision. And we just didn't use them before, and now we started using them ever within the six minutes it takes to respawn. And there's things like, you know, that's an extra layer on top of the fact that there's already five of you versus five other people. On top of the layers, already the neutral creeps, on top of the, the jungling, on top of the... The fact that some characters you only see every now and again to appear out of nowhere and then disappear back into the forest. There's so many extra layers. It is the most absurdly complicated game. Yeah. Even compared to like StarCraft. Like you can watch StarCraft and understand StarCraft's it. surprisingly simple, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was at MLG fairly recently and watching... It looked back to League of Legends rather than Dota, but watching StarCraft, it was, oh, the man is under attack and there are 10 units going to attack him. He has three units. He's going to lose because 10 beats three. Whereas League of Legends was entirely just this arcane... You know, invocation. You expect some kind of demon to appear because you've, <laughs> you've read from the book. Oh no, you're not allowed to speak those words. You don't know what they're saying. I mean, unless you do know what they're saying. But even if you do know what they're saying, you understand every third word or every every mm. fifth word. The AD carry is definitely done really well in his lane. I understand but the word yeah. lane, <laughs> and I know what the carry means. Maybe yeah. I, was in, I was spectating a match in Dota 2 the other day, and it was just I didn't understand what the hell was going on. But it was entertaining in its own way because it was just completely crazy, like. Um, a load of heroes would come together and then the ground would catch fire mm. and a giant spectral pirate ship would crash into everyone and yeah. uh, then lightning would start striking and then it would go dark and suddenly it was night time and someone <laughs> else would adve- like, use their super ability and it's kind of just oh, I, don't, I, I don't understand if you're playing how you can see through all that kind of all those effects mm-hmm. during a big fight it is difficult but again it, it's amazing how Dota was always very scary to me and then now I'm in it I, you can suddenly cut through all the chaff in the team fights and become, you know, you, you get rid of the pirate ship, you put the pirate ship to the back of your mind because it's not going to hurt you. You realise <laughs> the giant explosion coming out of the ground is actually one of your team, so you can you can leap into the fight. Then someone hurls a gas cloud and you realise that, oh, I shouldn't actually be running away from the gas cloud, I should be running into the gas cloud. <laughs> but, like, you know, a week ago, I'd have been, ah, mm. shit, why is the pirate ship coming towards me? Whereas yeah. now it is, okay, the pirate ship's okay, I can deal with that, I can't deal with this. Mm. And t- next week, maybe I'll be like, ha, huh, pirate ship. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many concepts in that game that, almost coming from any other game, that make no sense. The idea of even denying, which is such a fundamental part of playing Dota mm. properly, which is killing your own units so that the enemy team doesn't get any money from them, um, it still feels kind of weird. Or pulling, which is dragging entire chains of your own creeps mm. off lane so they die in the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> so that they don't get anywhere near the enemy. Where you think, oh, this is a game about attacking the enemy, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's about maintaining perfect maths somewhere in the middle of the level. This is never, ever making a mistake. Yeah. And, and I watched a video last night that, that all of the group of us have been, have been learning together and kind of sending each other videos. But the video last night just said that it is, even more than StarCraft pretty much, Dota is a game about having a plan, never, ever deviating or ever making a mistake from the plan. I mean, the plan changes all the time. But the, the day you make a mistake, the time you make a mistake is the time that the team just jump on you and kill you and kill you and kill you again. And if they kill you once, then the chances are they'll kill you more. And it's Tom Francis is convinced that it's terribly badly designed. Like obviously the fact it wasn't really designed by a development house, it was designed by the community and then iterated yeah. on by the community means that no one's ever stepped in and gone, wait a minute, this is a really bad idea. The <laughs> fact that you are, like you say, it's again about killing other heroes. We spend one or two characters, like support characters, spend most of the time not looking at other heroes or even helping them. They're killing their own people mm. and holding everything back and stopping things from happening. It's a game where you're professionally obfuscating other people. And he thinks that's really bad design and he thinks everything should be fun and simple, but when you're in it and when you're playing it, it seems to make so much more sense because you're helping the mass by hindering on a lower level. I mean, I th- there's, there's a tremendous satisfaction to, to learning stuff. And if you have that desire to like 
to learn things and you get satisfaction mm-hmm. about simply mastering something, it's like a bottomless well yeah. because it's constantly being added to. It's ludicrously complicated. I was looking at Invoker today. I've heard you this. Invoker's got like what, eight different Eight different abilities, abilities that are done like magicka spells by combining three elements. Whoa. So he works like no other hero in the game. And it's like, yeah, we've got this arbitrary other system in here that just works and doesn't it throws out every other rule of yeah. how this game works just for, you know, for lols. Top level stuff, yeah. And it- and yeah, but like, I do feel like there's some problems with it. Like, it's so stun based. And like, um, watching, I think the same video you're watching about mm. hero counters and how stun basically beats everyone. Yeah. Stun is the thing that if you've got lots of it, it's super hard to counter. And that kind of leads it to feeling in some ways a bit like MMO PvP. Yeah. Like, when HP Dark Age came a lot, a lot where it was all about getting stun locked and killed. And stun locked and killed is the least fun way of dying in a game. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense with Tom's bad design philosophy, mm. where it is, you know, any game where you are taken out of control is, is, for that, that moment, even if it's cutscenes like that, is, is anti-game. It's yeah. badly designed. And this is a game, where, like you say, where, you know, my, uh, I play a sniper and my, well, like to play a sniper, where my main attacks just automatically stuns people a couple of seconds. And having been on the opposite end of that, I hadn't realised how absolutely frustrating yeah. it is. Just getting slowly stunned as I'm running towards someone and getting like bashed slightly backwards with each run. Yeah, I wouldn't like to be on the opposite side of it. I think there is a problem with Dota. That problem is where... Um victory gets away from you very mm. quickly and then it takes so long for you to then lose and you, mm. it's very hard to climb uh, to claw it back i mean it, it is doable but it's really generally not going to happen yeah and you only you, you only learn one lesson from like you only learned the lesson of that one mistake in that one hour like you learn lots of smaller tertiary lessons about where you should have been at certain times to farm better or whatever mm. but the one mistake that lost you the match maybe you, you fed someone too early yeah. that's one mistake that that's the big mistake you learn and you don't learn anything more as you're losing for the next 20 or 30 minutes mm. and it's just frustrating and doesn't feel very constructive um, but it's just simply the way the game the game's balanced and yeah pans out. especially considering you know you realise why the communities in these games are the way they are because people when you know one person on, a bad person on a team can feed the person who will kill everybody on yeah. the opposite team like we had you know you see these terrible community people who are raging immediately when somebody is bad for a second oh my god my team might be lose it wasn't my bad skill or anything like that mm. And you kind of laugh at them and say, oh, God, you know, get a grip. It's not really that bad. And then Matt Leese, who, <laughs> who works for us sometimes and does stuff for our exam as well, he's one of their staff writers, is, has, I think, three different games now where he's just like, right, that's it. Game's over. We're yeah. Ten minutes in and we're doing okay. Like, we're not, we maybe got one of their towers down. They've got three of ours and, and they're slightly overleveling us. It's like, right, that's it. I'm going, I'm going AFK, guys. It's just not worth it. What's the point? <laughs> and it's kind of like part of you is going, he's right, because we are going to lose this. And it's going to be a slow 45-minute drudging process where mm-hmm. we have to get through this and deal with it. But at the same time, you do kind of feel like, well, yeah, but I'm playing against some guy I've never played before. I want to learn how he's going to kill me. I want to learn his moves mm. and how best to count them. And also, you know, this is a game. We should be having fun. But then... Yeah. It's been interesting because we did all go into it with that mindset of like, hey, we're all idiots. Hey, it'll yeah. be fun. It'll be, you know, it'll be a laugh. And, and you know, it doesn't really matter because we're, we're kind of... I do think that's been really important, actually, that we've had this consistently full team of people mm. we know so that we've not been kind of like making plans for three of us and then having to deal with what two random people are doing yeah. it's, it's always been us all planning together and that's been fun but look each game does go especially even even especially when we lose even when we win from a stage of like hey at the start to mostly swearing about dying in the middle and then like just sort of deep like late in the evening chats about what went wrong yeah <laughs> so it's amazing how serious you can get on, on skype at the moment and then we had someone else listening in yesterday and she was just like this is amazing like seriously high level well, you know sound seriously impressive yeah. high level stuff we were just we haven't really realised when we cut through it the fact that yeah it was just half the words we were using weren't actually words <laughs> I, was, I, I live with Chris and um, uh, during the Dota sessions I just hear this 
Why? 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 I, I, I need to control my how vocal I am. It's really funny above <laughs> because I get just moments where something goes slightly wrong, and I hate being. I guess it's that stun moment thing, mm. and I play Storm Spirit, who's super mobile, and I can usually escape that stuff. Mm. But it makes it even more galling when, especially because there are little weird things with Dota 2, like with the auto attack that even when you switch it off, sometimes your hero oh, will just so swing weird. around and turn, even mm. though you don't want him to turn, um, like towards the direction of creeps or whatever, and. That split second can cost you. Yeah, the and it is speed means something as well. Basically impossible, and this is probably why we can't live stream games. <laughs> but in that moment, for me not to bellow, yeah, a, a, you know, a bad word, <laughs> a bad word, <laughs> so loudly that everyone in my building can hear it. Necessary bad words. I do uh, think, like going back to Tom's point as well about having needing to have some kind of level of where you can actually back out of games rather than just give, being given a quit or a, like if yeah. you leave the game you get a bad We were mark. talking last night that they desperately need to add like a vote for surrender button yeah. like lol into Dota 2. Well there's yeah, m- all of the esports uh, tend to revolve around the idea that if you are beaten you can tap out. Starcraft is GG. League of Legends has surrender. I think there's need something like that because you are the penalties for, for disappearing before a game is finished are so harsh even if you disconnect accidentally that they need to have something where you can say, you know, we've disconnected, I have four people disconnected and I want to leave. Okay. Yeah. After a while, if there's enough people disconnect, you can leave. But mm. They can make it fun. They could have like a little white flag you could buy from the shop yeah. and you walk to the enemy base. <laughs> you have to pay <laughs> 17 pounds to buy said flag every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, so that's really the way like the story that would happen. Yeah. Mm. What have you been playing then, Chris? Um, I, I've been a lot of those, as you said. Um, I played and finished Spec Ops The Line, um, which I... I liked. I know Tom. You've played the start of it now as yeah, well. Yeah, played a couple of hours of that now. Um, um, enjoying it. It's good. I yeah. I mean, it, it's um, you know, full disclosure. We had copies in the office, so I picked one up and, and took it home and, and played it all all the way through in about three sessions. It's a regular shooter length third person cover shooter, modern military setting in kind of post apocalyptic Dubai, and I really liked it. Um, I'm not sure sort of whether that necessarily comes as a recommendation for like buying a full price game that I think mm. probably has a, a multiplayer mode you won't play that lasts about six to eight hours. Obviously, everyone has their own so value measurement for that. But in terms of like modern military shooters and in terms of modern military shooters genuinely trying to say something about modern military shooting. Um, <laughs> um, more than would do that. It does far more than I think almost any other game I've played in that mm. genre. Miles more than any Call of Duty ever has. Um, it really, I mean, and some of the things that happen to civilians and things in that game are horrible yeah. and quite pulled off reasonably well um, for a game of its type. And it, and that's, you know, genuinely could have effective i think and yeah they do really smart things with um voice acting so the main character played by nolan north so voice you've heard a million times um in every game ever and it starts off and it's fairly regular stuff just the, the general combat box like you know tango down and blah, 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 dude over there and man with a gun you know, <laughs> things. but um and that game is you know it's based on heart of darkness or apocalypse now like it's all about him mm. losing his mind basically and so as the game progresses the voice acting becomes more and more and more unhinged till the end he's basically just like blathering and screaming to murder people and that works really well like, even as the, you as a player are still just you know going through the the landscape with less and less ammo kind mm. of trying to overcome greater and greater odds the characters are actually really changing and are kind of visibly and audibly affected by the things that, ha- that are happening to them yeah that that i really liked um it's well written um so a lot of people have said that it's kind of you know, you go into look at it, and even during the preview kind of cycle, we could see that it was starting to look. It looked like a yeah, you know, fairly standard military shooter. What was going to be different about it? They, at the beginning, they pushed the fact that it was going to be the sand would be shifting, and it yeah. Would be, but you know, it's one of these games where a lot of games have on the rap sheet half darkness or you know, Joseph Conrad kind of things where they are what makes a man kill, <laughs> and everybody just goes, well, guns. Everybody <laughs> likes having guns, and this is one where someone's actually going, wait a minute, maybe we should think about this, and maybe we should question it. It just seems to be. 
the other guys I know who played it, uh, Martin Davis, who's obviously mm. one of our contributors, has played it as well. And he was saying that that it does it does really well at giving you choice and the idea of choice where you know you you choose to use a weapon or like a horrible war weapon mm. that you shouldn't really be using or not. And then eventually it turns out that you just you don't really get a choice. So it says to you, why would you do these horrible things? And then goes, yeah, but you can't yeah. play the game unless you I do mean, horrible it, things. We, had a, we were talking about this in the, um, recently, actually, that like there are, there, are, there are definitely moments in that game where like the illusion of choice is something it kind of does a lot. Mm. Um, and it's a debate whether you would rather a character just do something in a cutscene or whether you'd rather the game pretend to give you the choice to do it. Mm. Like there are there are parts in that game where you, you you either do what the game wants you to do or eventually you'll be overwhelmed and killed. Yeah. And personally, even though it's frustrating to be to be forced in that way, I would still rather be the guy pushing the button. Mm. Um, it's a bit like what you're saying about cutscenes tend you know ceasing to be a game at that point. Like, but I can understand the the frustration there of looking like maybe you could do it if you yeah. really tried, but and all you're doing is sticking yourself over. Um, that it's. I actually genuinely don't know which, which side I come down on that. Like, I would rather it be me that pushes so the button. The, the Ned start that cuts the head off yourself yeah, rather like, than get someone else to do it. Yeah, like, you know, it's sort of, it's still meaningful for me to have interacted with it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. basically, again, being interactive is kind of the point. And if, if even even if it's a even if it's a false choice, yeah. at least a choice is happening there. And at least I'm still interacting with the game and I'm still thinking constantly. Yeah. Rather than sit, sitting back, switching off, waiting for the next thing. Like, even though it does force your hand a bunch of times, and it can be pretty heavy-handed about that stuff. Um, I'd rather that still... I think it's more effective because I made that choice, even if I'm kind of angry at the game, mm. um, than it would be if it, if it just happened in a cutscene and I could distance myself from it. I think um, those sections are really bad, just in any game. Um, like any, any, any situation where you're holding out against enemies for no reason, thinking that you're doing something, and then eventually it ends up that you end up... The game forces you down the path it wants you to go down anyway. And now you have no ammo, <laughs> like that's just dreadful. And makes, that, that's just really bad sign. Uh, like I'd like them to see them do the illusion of choice in a way that doesn't waste your time. <laughs> just yeah, don't yeah. have that set piece. I can you know? kind of see that. I mean, I, it comes down to like. I mean, I think like I played Spec Ops on the hardest setting you can get out of the box is that you unlock another one when you finish it. Because that's how I play games, and and it was grueling at times. Like the only the, the, it's only kind of mechanic for like making third person cover shooting interesting is mm. you're very squishy, and ammo can be hard to come by in certain circumstances so and there's a lot of managed risk with like i need to duck out of cover to grab this gun that someone's dropped but mm. um i'm kind of going to get screwed if i get shot more than once um and you've got teammates that can like you know help you out in certain situations that you can use to focus fire and stuff and i ended up in a situation actually having wasted all of my ammo for every gun i had trying to beat a situation that I, it was impossible to beat mm. um that i entered the next section of the game having then done what the game wanted me to do with zero ammo, doing uh, assault up a heavily armed, heavily defended hillside, like total suicide. And I was like, "Am I screwed? Like, do I either have knocked the difficulty down or start again?" But I persevered, and it took me like ten goes. But I eventually beat it using only squad mates to get the first few like cover points up the hill mm-hmm. to the point where I was sa- could safely move ahead of the point where we killed the first few guys. I could take their weapons and then fought the rest of the way. And that was kind of the most satisfying moment in that game for me. And it came directly because the game had dicked me over <laughs> really badly and yeah. let me let me screw up my own experience. So that's kind of, even though I kind of agree that it's bad design, it's sort of like, it's bad design that made me have a good experience. <laughs> it seems to be kind of interestingly, what with it, this being the theme of the thing, but, yeah. you know, the means justify the end where it is, like the end justifies the means, where you end up, you, you get a game 
you know, you're forcing these blind channels or you're forcing these bad design decisions because they want to create a character at the end of it that is unhinged. And if, mm. you, if you make, if you go through the game making these sensible decisions and not her, like killing a lot of people with horrible war weapons, you can then go, oh, well, I'm not insane because I'm actually yeah. kept my sanity. That can be make me a bit mental, actually. Like I, <laughs> I generally got, I got angry because it gets really hard, and yeah. on the hardest settings, it, it was, you know, just felt unfair and grueling. I just want to fucking kill people. I was like. This is what it wants me to do. <laughs> like, and and then some of the moments later in the game. I think one thing I will say for it, and one thing is very very positive, is all of its moral decision moments, and there are a few of them, aren't press X to harvest the little sister yeah. things, or like it is press X to jump in the mass grave. I think yeah, that, that yeah, the home front. It, it, I think it's been unfairly compared to home front. Actually, yeah. it's much much smarter than that. Um, they are, you know, they ask you to solve a problem with the the tools you've got to hand. You know, you you're a man walking around with a gun. There's a situation happening in front of you. What do you do? Yeah. Like you're not in a cutscene choosing a dialogue option. You you actually do things using the mechanics you've already been taught. And First that's um, good choice I came across in that in the game. I'll just sketch it out without naming characters or anything. But um, uh, I came across a, a guy who'd been hunting, and uh, we were in a standoff where uh, my squad of three we all had our guns pointed at him, and we were in mid conversation. You know, just kind of trading trading insults and he, he was slowly making his way towards a gap and you could see he was just edging sideways as the conversation was going and I was like he's just going to jump down there we're going to lose him so I tried to fire a warning shot with a shotgun uh, <laughs> a warning shot with a shotgun the worst <laughs> weapon with which to fire a warning shot given that it basically throws out a cone of death um, which killed him dead pretty quickly <laughs> just like went straight through it just sprawled on the floor and uh, my two teammates just said what, what the hell did you do? Like, that guy was, he could have helped us. He, he, why did you shoot him? And my guy was like, uh, I, m I made a quick decision. It was a tough, to, it was a tough situation. <laughs> it's kind of making excuses. But I love the fact that my teammates condemned me for that. Yeah. Even though it was and a the game let you do it. Exactly. Did yeah. the game let you do that? And then without any kind of, so that man, it didn't say you made the wrong choice. It let you no, do that. No, that, that's legitimate. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, they find another way of looping back to the same point later on if you don't do that. But like, um, it still happens. Like, yeah, you can totally do that. And that's yeah. what's good about it is that those mm. moments are like, I was looking through um, the Steam achievements because yeah. they're like, there are like multiple achievements solving problems in different ways. And, and I thought like one choice that I thought I thought it was like a binary choice and I'd made the clever third option. But there's actually three clever third options. <laughs> like right. the three ways of handling it. You've been asked to make a decision, right? And there are three ways of avoiding the decision like, entirely, which I think is really cool. Mm. Like um, I wish more decision making in games was done like that rather than it coming out of uh, you know buttons that you push. Yeah. Like the, the the Deus Ex thing of push button for ending. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please choose your cutscene. Yeah. That's interesting. It's weird to see choice, particularly in such a such a tightly corral genre where you know mm. you can't know any kind of choice normally. Yeah, which door you open, let alone what you're doing. Thing. I really liked it. Like, um, I think it's it's definitely one of those games that if it comes up in a Steam sale, um, maybe over the summer or something, then I really would recommend people check it out if they're interested. Because mm. you know, especially if you're interested in just storytelling in games and kind of ideas about it. Mm. Again, um, you know, however much thirty quid for a full, for a six to eight hour campaign that you're probably only going to play once. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think I saw something on Twitter the other day saying actually was the console version maybe was reduced already. So it was on Amazon in the US, I think. Yeah, okay, so maybe check, that's relevant. But check Steam out. Cool. Speaking of Steam, should we do the Steam charts? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Steam chart noise. <laughs> Tom's favorite musical <laughs> instrument is the mouth trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> At number ten in the Steam charts is Torchlight Two. For fourteen pounds ninety nine, still in there, still yeah, still yeah, there. it's doing really well. I'm pretty like ages. I wonder how that's doing out of the kind of 
community backlash against Diablo. Yeah, sort of surfing the wave, I'd imagine. Yeah, to, yeah. Be, to be honest, it's probably now at the point where a lot of people who finished with Diablo or, you know, got through Diablo and aren't backlashing, but just went, oh, I'm done with that now because yeah, yeah. I put in X amount of hours. I, I want to do it again. One. Yeah. <laughs> More please. I want to show it with a ferret this time. <laughs> yeah. At uh, number nine is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 Collection 1. Um, this, these have been on sale, these DLC packs. Oh, yeah. It's £5.74 at the moment as opposed to... Uh, Eleven pounds. Is that one time you played that one? Is it horrendous? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't played the Modern Warfare Three collections yet. I played a load of the Black Ops ones, reviewed them. Um, it's interesting, like at what point four maps or four or five maps becomes worth the money. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and the, the ridiculous thing about Call of Duty packs is that they're not worth eleven or twelve pounds. That's ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> but are they worth five pounds? I'm like, mm, if you're ready into the multiplayer, then. Maybe, yeah. Mm. The others are some, uh, there's some Spec Ops co-op missions in, in there as well. Those are really good. Uh, one of the best parts of Call of Duty. Yeah. And those might be worth it if you've got a few friends. But five pounds again, it's probably about right. <laughs> Maybe yeah. a little bit less than that, but you know. I mean, you know, these are both in the the top ten. And sorry, yeah, there's another one a bit later on. And like, um, you wonder if they've jumped in here because, you know, Call of Duty is just popular mm. and anything that, that brings it to the surface will will sell. Mm. Or if people have been holding off on these because they're so expensive right. and now there's a Steam sale, people are actually finally picking up these older map packs. Yeah. It's an interesting because I don't remember the Black Ops ones being discounted. Um, mm. uh, so it might be a kind of a new idea for them to actually put these on sale. Yeah. It's an obvious idea, but, you know, it'll definitely work. Um, mm. Collection 2 was just released as well, wasn't it? So that's yeah, presumably yeah. why they had a celebration sale. Yeah, presumably. Maybe cool. Call of Duty is no longer kind of immune to discounts like it has been. Yeah. I guess it's that point where it's like Skyrim where people keep buying them anyway at that price and there's not really much point in knocking yeah, them down. True. But obviously more people are buying them now. And at number eight is Skyrim at full price. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Still doing well. Yep. That Skyrim. Um, it's quite a good game, I yeah. think. I'm sure game. everyone owns it by now. Yeah. See, I keep thinking that about Minecraft, but it's just yeah. not true. <laughs> yeah, indeed. There's always somewhere who... Someone being born who wants Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first birthday present. wants Minecraft. Yeah. Why is he crying? Oh, he hasn't got Minecraft. Uh, obviously, the sales of Skyrim and Minecraft has bottomed out at the birth rate of the human <laughs> race. <laughs> okay, and that uh, whatever number comes after eight is sorry, I've forgotten how to count. Yeah, it's counting it, backwards. Right, it's, yeah, 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 it's, it's complicated, and I didn't put numbers next to them this week. It's bullet points. I've confused myself. Next is The Walking Dead full season for twenty-one quid. How many is in a full season? Four, five. six, uh, twenty-four. It tends to be five for Telltale Games, isn't it? I don't yeah. know about. I don't know exactly how many. There's two out now. Yeah, but both of which are apparently really good. I've not played any yet, but mm. everybody I know who played them has gone in. Telltale have been kind of off and on, hot mm. and cold. Yes and no. Good and bad. <laughs> Katy Perry songs. <laughs> yeah, all yeah, yeah. One and zero. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this one seems to be one where they've gone very hot very quickly. Uh, mm. Again, it's choice that seems everybody seems to love. is the fact people keep kind of talking about them in, in a very kind of slightly defensive way where they say you don't really do very much, but yeah. that makes it great because it's, it's like a... It's like a story, but in a much better way than that makes it sound. Like you, you're reading a book, but it's a, a book where you get to occasionally hit a zombie in the head with a hammer with your actual, you know, hammer hand, as opposed to reading a book. <laughs> um, Rich might have to go back and try <laughs> that <one> again. <laughs> you, you apparently have to click again. I've not played it. You have to click on on zombie heads with your mouse, like just where you want to wow. hit them. <laughs> Which again doesn't sound particularly. Maybe I have to be defensive as well. Before. I think there's been a, an explosion of quick time apologists yeah. at, uh, at the release of these games where they're like, "Oh, I, I really enjoy it." I, there are quick time events, but honestly, no, come back. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, so people go into the Walking Dead and come staggering back out. Like quick <laughs> it's time. Yeah, it, just, it seems to be that it, yeah, it's the choice again. People, people actually get they give you kind of countdowns where you have to make a decision. The decisions aren't do you want 
important to save the puppy or shoot the puppy in the face and then stomp mm. on its face and it, you know yeah. it, it'd save the puppy or save the puppy and lose a little girl in the process or, or <laughs> oh, save no. the little girl and maybe lose a farm of puppies later on <laughs> again I've not played it so <laughs> I'm not sure if any of these are real I don't want to play that game yeah. and after this is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 Collection 2 for the same price as the other one don't need to talk about this really. Add no, a new mode. Yep. Uh, actually, they've released a new mode for free, which is uh, oh yeah, it was nice a one versus one mode, wasn't it? Yeah, or two versus two, or three versus three. If you're feeling wow, surely that's just a small server. <laughs> yeah, it's just a small map. It is. Yeah. They just made slightly even smaller maps to substantiate. This is free though. It's a good it thing. Is. That's nice. First time for everything. That collection isn't though. No, no, it's five pound seventy four. Five pound seventy four. And after that, I'm being promoted again. Killing Floor for £7.50. Hey. Hey. I like Killing Floor. Yeah. We said the other day, Owen in the office that provided nothing just said, isn't Killing Floor really good? <laughs> and we all just went, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. It is good. It is, I like it very it's much. a really good game. It's got much better gunplay than Left 4 Dead. It's got much better gunplay than almost anything else out there. The guns yeah. in Killing Floor are awesome. nearly perfect Those, in a lot um, of ways. The they second handguns you get, the kind of the oh. big... Sort of, it's the it's uh, all the command commandos. Oh, okay. Oh, they, they feel so good to fire. Like they just got the best handguns. They just go, they boom, <laughs> and then you see a head explode, and everything goes to slow motion. Yeah. I was writing about it on the site earlier. It's just being reminded of how satisfying that game is. It is like a proper squad in that is is a better almost than anything. I, I wish. Wish every game that had a gun used its mechanics, but particularly Left 4 Dead. I think Left 4 Dead mm. with those guns, yeah. slightly slower, slower zombies as well. Basically, Left Killing Floor if it had a linear kind of path through a level yeah. someone should, I'm sure someone has but someone should design a level like uh, that yeah I came to Killing Floor for the first time when it was being promoted for the Portal 2 thing mm. um, when they dropped GLaDOS into it okay. yeah. and that actually made the game much better having gone back to it with the regular shopkeepers who yeah. have horrible voice acting oh, uh, it's such an unpleasant place to be Killing Floor like the gun mechanics are so good but like everything else about it not in a, not in a, like a bad design kind of way but it's just a miserable it's place yeah, it's, it's like rubbish London populated yeah, by ugly like, monsters just like real London then. yeah Wait, oh. <laughs> and like yeah take that London <laughs> <laughs> I like um I like and hate the fact that it looks like a late nineties like cyberpunk movie as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I wish they kind of got for a slightly different design, but it all just feels a bit. Well, it's got that kind of like grimy nineties or even late eighties British comic books yeah. sort of thing, which is not, which is perfectly legitimate in its own right, but it's just sort of everything is super detailed in a kind of gross way. And yeah. You don't want to spend too much time in it because it, you like you need to shower off it. Yeah. yeah, like. It's weird how most co-op games, whenever I think about them, I always think, oh, I'd like to play them, but it, it would take everybody to get together. Every time I think about Killing Floor, I always think, oh, I just want to play it now. Like, I really want to go back to, mm. like Tom says, the two pistols. Yeah. I just like mm. to make their noises. Yeah. If you play it now, there's um, a summer sideshow thing going on where all the monsters have been replaced by hideous fairground versions of themselves, which, uh, great. if you like that sort of thing, <laughs> dive hideous straight hideous fairground in. versions. It's one called The Flesh Clown. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, it's horrible. Not that thought. <laughs> like a uh, number four is War Game European Escalation, which is on sale for fourteen ninety nine. I think that was the uh, weekend sale, so it'll probably be finished right. by the time mm. you listen to this. Again, it's surprisingly good though. I mean, Tim Stone played it for us. Said it was Ruse, uh, the Ubisoft strategy game, mm. where you can zoom into the big table and zoom back out again, but Ruse done properly with more detail, more strategy, more choice. So look into that if you are interested in such things and zooming in on tables. Yeah. Also, if you liked Ruse, then you might like the game that is at number three, which is made by a whole bunch of ex-Ruse devs, which is Endless Space, which Mm -hmm. is the 4X space strategy uh, thing, which is being made with that kind of community involvement scheme where people Mm. who pre-ordered it get points to spend on votes and stuff like that in the game's development. Um, 
yeah, I saw it last week. Um, devs came here and, and showed it off, and I was pretty impressed by it. I've seen it played a little bit since at home, and in real time to get into a campaign because it's you know Civ length, proper mm. you know four X space turn based base strategy bit. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's an impressive game, a, especially for indie. I played a multiplayer game with Graham over the weekend of it, and mm. ended up we, we chose just kind of fairly small galaxies. So me and him, we weren't allies, but we weren't enemies. We just kind of went in and see what happens. And there's two other people in there, both of which were the the Horatios. The really vain aliens. Yeah, so there's, the races in it aren't just the usual goodies, baddies, and then weird aliens. There's, like, five, there's eight of them, I think, at the moment. Mm. I was the pilgrims who are space like scientists and colonists and people, nice people who have escaped from the evil hegemonial empire. Yeah, the East India Company, they said they were yeah. based on. And um, but Horatio is, is an incredibly vain, I think he was a human, turned into like an alien thing. Like who's done loads of plastic surgery on himself and is the head of this massive personality cult where everybody inside it is one of him, a clone of him. And it, it produces some interesting stuff where the, you can hire heroes, hero cards to put in different things. One of mine was like the 175th like B-strain clone of him and he's somehow working for me as this really good like administrator even though he was a clone of the guy who was attacking me. But there, the Horatios are all like expansionists and not warlike at all. So we ended up with two of them in the game and they just took everything in the planet and left me and Graham sat there going, do, 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 now what do we do? <laughs> and eventually after a while, like it, it was interesting in the beginning, but it, it's quite slow to get moving, especially compared mm. to if you don't have that many decisions in the early game. You are, I'm going to go here. Oh, okay, I can't do anything about that. I'm going to go here. I uh, can't do anything about that. Mm. And yeah, you, you can't colonize, colonize 90% of the planets mm. unless you research the technology to colonize them. And it takes a long time to get that technology. Yeah. Uh, Especially so, if you focus on other things as well, like yeah. there's four tech trees, so there's, there's like money making, planetary development is kind of you know shorthand says, but and then exploration and war. So if you want to be a warry one, then you basically you get one or two planets for the beginning until you, I mean obviously there's some synergy between you meant to invade more and attack more and get mm. other people's nice planets away from them. Yeah, but I went exp- pure exploration. By the time I got halfway down the tech tree, most of the planets had been like the spheres of influence are so big that I couldn't actually jump through the yeah. lanes, mm. let alone actually get my planets there's other stuff uh, like in order to be really have a really powerful military you can't you need to spread yourself across the trees that's mm. the the other problem with it where um so all of your new ship models are actually on um the expansionist tree the one yeah. that lets you uh, colonize new planets and all of your weapons are on the military tree so actually you want a battleship with good weapons and that'll give you the dominant military so actually you have to go back down both trees in order to get to that level and then you also need uh, you know, if you want to increase the number of ships you can have in your fleet, you need to go, go down the diplomacy tree, like quite far, like halfway down it. So you're actually, it's weird, the military option, you have to spread, just sprawl yourself across. You can't specialise, which seems kind of weird. If you're yeah, to choose it. it seems to be that. I mean, like playing purely expansionist, I, I had to go down the, the, like the research and money-making tree just to actually get enough population I could then load into the ships to be able to yeah. put them out. It seems, you know, if you've got four diversion tech trees, it's a strange way to make you just... You know, you have to take the right path. I mean, maybe you can slightly skew it one way, but you kind of have to take the right path across the trees, rather than saying, "Right, I'm going to be purely expansionist. And I'm going to I'm going to hope that my limited diplomacy skill keeps me away from any conflict." Full stop. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about how, like, when I, I played a few campaigns, and it, I'm never felt like I could have played differently mm. if I if so I went for a military one, then I went for a diplomatic one. But the things you're doing in terms of building up the infrastructure for your planets is just the same for both for both of those playthroughs. Yeah, and didn't really feel like there was a way to express myself in the way that you can in like Galsiv 2 and mm. um, run a race that is yours and you behaves a certain way. Yeah, you can overload in that. In game. Even, even in Civa, but you can kind of overload like I, like I am entirely military and mm. everything. I mean, my people might still be living in mud huts, but I've got like ICBMs that I can chuck at someone else. Yeah. 
Whereas this, and then the way the tech tree works as well with the turns, like uh, even halfway down the tech tree, I wasn't getting any bonuses for having been halfway down the expansionist tech tree. Mm. I was still waiting 156 turns for my next skill. Yeah. Whereas I could do every other skill on the left-hand side of the tree with like three turns. So I just went, oh, I might as well just mm. do that instead. When I was talking to them, they said that because the um, like the cultural victory equivalent is at the bottom of the science tree, or yeah. the top of the science tree, they were saying that they basically intended it so that you would mix throughout the other trees to push either in that direction or toward up military that mm. like pushing down one tree is always about getting skills from other trees mm. and the, the that kind of it's you know you're not intended to be able to just sort of plow into one without thinking about the others it feels i don't like know how effective um, that is in that practice, comes in a late game choice mm. but for me like the, the few campaigns i played the game was basically already decided by the time i was making that decision because okay. one empire had just gotten too far ahead so it feels like there's maybe some balance tweaking to be doing to be mm -hmm. done there maybe but it's, it's extremely slick it's beautiful um it's one of the slickest games of uh, 4x space games have played definitely for a small thing as well yeah it's quite easy to get your head around as well like mm -hmm. if it's if you've played sins and bounced off it or anything like that i think this is a good one to get mm -hmm. into because it's obviously it's turn-based but also you can i don't know it seems to make more sense to me the fact that things like population count was just created like counted by little pips yeah. in the corner of a planet and things like that's nice you zoom into a planet and you, you start to be able to see what you've actually done to it as well like if it's a jungle world and you built farms mm -hmm. you kind of the farms are there and you can see the the expanse of cities yeah, and really cool. population around there do you guys play with the faction creator no. I've been playing with that a little bit. I wonder if that might... You wonder, I wonder how big of a part of the game that will become, you mm. know, whether or not it's in multiplayer when people sort of start playing it, you know, trying to find matches and stuff, yeah. the community will lock themselves into the pre-made factions. Because I was playing with it, and the, the faction creator is sort of done in a system of traits, kind of like kind of Dungeons & Dragons, almost like mm. picking positive and negative traits to kind of balance out how you want your faction to kind of play. And that kind of massively affected the, the one, game I, one campaign I've started okay. where yeah. i made a faction that can colonize anything straight away and so but but that took a massive massive hit to other things in order sure. to be able to do that That's so, interesting. but like and it kind of from that point onwards i felt like i actually had made a huge meaningful choice mm. but it happened before i start campaign it happened when i was building the faction yeah um so that might be worth playing with a little bit actually cool. seeing how yeah, that affects yeah. it. it i mean like for me i went straight for the one of the factions purely mm. because it's so yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. the fact that there was eight of them and they were all quite interesting they all had mm. a backstory and they were all had nice little portraits rather than you know, I mean, even Sins has what the kind of the, the normal people, the space hippies, and then the aliens as well. Yeah, the, which is, yeah. Yeah. the protoss Terran Zerg yeah, yeah, and it, it's nice to have you know a weird super vain mega space yeah. alien who's decided that he wants to have a planet entirely um, of himself. Omniscient, benevolent space amoebas. Yeah, that's the other one as well. Just got to be moving. Um, and they can like, and it's great how asymmetric it is that the amoebas can see everything on the map at all times. Okay. Everywhere in the galaxy, <laughs> but they have no military capacity basically. So their whole thing is trying to forge diplomatic relations between mm. other races, and they get more points based on that. And that's a really cool idea. That if you're having this big multiplayer game, everyone else can be at war, but you love this one player who can see everything, yeah. desperately trying to find a way of brokering peace, you, yeah, like, like little or little space UN. <laughs> It may, maybe this, maybe this is the choice. Then the choice isn't in the trees; it's in the it's in the it's race. In factions and the yeah. balance of factions you find yourself up against. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe you can do a better job of presenting that stuff to you mm. in the early in the early hours. I, I I had an easier probably first couple of hours with the game simply because I had sat down with the developers for an hour and yeah. been shown it, and that was the tutorial. Um, and you know, when I went in, I actually skipped all the tutorials because they were a bit dense and scary. Mm. I do find I do think it is definitely it's going to be. Mm. It's a very good introduction if you want a space game. It's, it's also quite a nice little like background game. Oh, background, that's, that's pretty unfair. But like if you're watching TV at the same time, mm. something like that. Because it, it's not a game that you you'll have 15 decisions to make every turn. You'll often just have one or none. And me and Graham, by the end of it, Graham was pretty much dead in the water. But I was still playing. And I was just skipping through to get to the point when I could start immediately buying stuff just to help planets along. Because I had enough stuff that it was sticking over. But 
there wasn't really enough happening with the two Horatios in there who were just kind of saying, it's fine, you just do what you want. And me going, okay, I guess I will. And expanding to all the planets within my system and then quietly just finishing the game. So you basically play it while listening to the PC Gamer podcast. Yeah, Indeed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, number two is uh, Civilization Five: Gods and Kings. I haven't played that yet. Is anyone of you guys? Uh, nope. I think Graham tried to play it. I don't know if he's... He, he said he got as far as the menu screen. <laughs> yeah, then he crashed. <laughs> I don't know if he's, he, he's played much Civ. I've played a bit of Civ. I always forget how much I love it, but I always forget how much it absolutely just kills like weekends and yeah. you know, all time. Yeah, time. it's sort of you have to actually like make like, almost like book time in your own brain, like mm. a holiday. You're like, I'm going to Civ now. Yeah. I'll be back later. It's weird. Every time I've played it and I've I've let a game carry on over a night even, I've, I've never never gone back to it. Like, look, this is the thing recently with that guy mm. who's had the Civ 2 games for going 15 years. Mm. I'm I talking to him tonight, actually, yeah. on Skype. I can't, I can't have a game last any a weekend like if it lasts a weekend it lasts a weekend because i've spent the entire time on the weekend i haven't turned it off if i go back to a save file then i'm like oh what's i doing with this i'm bored let's do mm. something else let's play a new game of save i'll play it in an hour yeah and then six hours later i go oh, i need to save it and start again tomorrow and I'll, I'll definitely do that this time <laughs> i never do it's like groundhog day yeah it's the first thousand years of a civilization over and over and over <laughs> and over and over again it's a really boring thousand years yeah yeah i mean it's interesting that there are two um like long form turn-based yeah. Sort of like strategy games in the top three. Just at that time of the year, obviously. Yeah. Well, people have got a lot of time it's on their hands. <laughs> yeah, sunny outside. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to Stay be in the dark. Play a space game. Well, it's, it's, it's sunny in inverted commas outside. Uh, yeah, that's true. Horribly yeah, rainy. Yeah. Also. yeah. And at number one is uh, Armor Two Combined Day Z. Mm. <laughs> that's why that's there, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. This it has over the the weeks and weeks it's been in the Steam charts when we're doing this. It's just crept further and further. It's close to the number one spot, which yeah. it now occupies, and it's. Yeah, it's like um, when is that gonna? It's like a, when is that wave gonna crash? A balloon like, getting bigger. Yeah, indeed. And you'll have to balloons. <laughs> <laughs> they rise into the atmosphere and have a lovely time. <laughs> yeah, it must be nice. I mean, Bohemia must be kind of just absolutely baffled, but also I, I guess that maybe it was all a, a having plan. money fights. Yeah, <laughs> fair play to them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The um, interesting thing is what they will do with it next um, on official. Basis like will they work it to armor three? Will they try and make a standalone? The speculation for flying around the moment. There people, is. Like Evan, obviously for our, our US wing, is is a big armor fan, mm-hmm. and he's been playing a vanilla armor, well, armor two for a long time. And he's, I think, he's fairly convinced that they're going to release it either as DLC or as a standalone thing. But I think mm. a lot of people now are going towards with armor three. They'll release armor three and DayZ. Maybe you get to both as a pack, yeah. or something like that. You'd be maybe either they keep the community goodwill but going. But there's not really, I, don't, I don't feel like there's that much goodwill because you have to buy armor anyway. I mean, people like the game, but it's not like they're like, oh, thank you, Bohemia, for making this mod. It's free. Hmm. So they don't really need to keep the goodwill going either. So I don't understand why they wouldn't just release it as a paid-for thing. Although I would say if they release it as a standalone, they need to make it work better. Mm. Like Three people will be, off it repeatedly. Yeah, people will, people will, I think, accept a certain amount of like rough and readiness when it's a mod and it's an alpha and you're kind of taking part in this Especially thing. Especially it's an armor mod, which is... Yeah. yeah. But also, I mean, even if you've never played an armor mod before, you probably go in knowing that what you're getting is this, um, you know, unfinished thing. I do but... wonder how many people do. Like, like it's pervaded culture, gaming culture, so much now that people are saying, you know, what is this? John, our art editor, plays a lot of Battlefield 3, but he plays with people who's, who've only really played, like, clan-based PC shoots for a long time. And very slick ones, like, like Battlefield and, like company before that and he said he started not operation flashpoint but then a lot of people have come in since then and i wonder they've apparently jumped ship now a lot of them to, to day z and i wonder how many of them expected it to be like you know battlefield on this island or how many people actually wanted it you know knew it was going to be like armor at the same time with 
buggy and weird and zombies that clip through things. It's the reason I bounce off it, like playing it and seeing a zombie from a long way away and going, right, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to sneak up on that and I'm going to do that. And immediately the zombie just goes, looks at me, clips straight through a wall, <laughs> appears in front of me, starts spinning around <laughs> in a circle. I'm trying to shoot it while it's just going, rawr, rawr, rawr. That's a clever like, zombie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Maybe he was. Maybe he was just a genius zombie. But at that point, I was like, right, I'm done. I'm going back to something else that isn't going to mm. kill me unfairly. It's weird because people are totally spending 25 quid to get Armour 2 to play DayZ. Mm. But I do think if there was a, an option on Steam to buy DayZ for 25 quid, and that was you didn't have to go through a process of installing mods or anything, yeah. people would expect it. You'd load up, you join a server, and it, it works. Like the first time we tried to get it working, Tom, mm. and we, we, each, we were on Skype talking to each other, reporting the different different loading screens and error screens we were getting yeah, we're it was like we were trying to load two different games like have you seen the yeah, green like... loading bar no mine's tan <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah can you see a tank no <laughs> you can see a zombie I can see a hill uh, okay <laughs> and then you get into the game and it's basically more of that yeah I do <laughs> wonder much. like just how much you know Bohemia as great as they are and they are unparalleled in making giant military shooters obviously you know incredible developers are making that kind of thing but if they could do that why didn't they just do it for armor in the first place? People were playing armor. People always wanted that armor, mm. that like that overlay and that that nice easy get into a game thing. And they've been singularly unable to do that. Whether that's through lack of resources or just inability to do that, unless I assume it must be it must be a bit of both. But but to to say oh, why haven't they just done this now? You know why haven't they done it a couple of years ago <laughs> yeah. when armor came out? Really? Mm. But yeah, maybe they've got the resources. Where mm. they said when it eventually comes standalone, will just be this incredibly slick game. I want to be killed by zombies, and you straight into a, onto a beach to be shot by bandits. As well, so. <laughs> I mean, there's a question of audience as well. Maybe there's an assumption that uh, you know a community that's really into the hardcore military sims mm. isn't the same as people who want to play a zombie apocalypse game. Yeah, like zombie apocalypse, much more popular, I would say. Yeah, it, much more kind of pull. So therefore, the barrier to entry needs necessarily to be a little bit lower. I really you can't like expect the same hobbyist kind of. Yeah, I really like the way that it's changing as well. Like, it, you know, it's not. They're making it quite clear that it's not a finished game by the fact that occasionally Dean Rocket Hall will just say, okay, well, no one starts with a gun anymore. And then no one will start with a gun for a week and they'll go, oh, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> Should never have done that. Sorry, guys, guns are back. And, you know, he's, he's willing to say that, not go this ivory tower saying, now you will not play with a gun. And then they never accept the fact that they are. <laughs> so I wish there was an actual ivory tower to yeah. the middle of Day Z that just broadcasts. Everybody went beneath it. <laughs> fly yeah, like, I, I like, you know, it feels like you're part of a community. It feels like mm. you're you are actually on this island and every, the person that is an overlord has put you on this horrible island is, <laughs> is you know, is actually interacting with you properly. And if you're, it's, it's a good, it's a good study in community management, I think. So. Yeah, definitely. And a good study in the unpleasant shit people will put up with yeah. <laughs> in the name of having a community experience. And do to each other as yeah, well when, yeah. when they're given this kind of thing, you know, people turn to bandits or, or niceness people do. Mm. The niceness people do. Yeah. <laughs> Evan did a, a live stream for us and ended up getting shot by a guy, I think. I don't know if it was a, on live stream or not, but he ended up finding the guy in the comments said, "Oh God, sorry, that was me," because <laughs> the community is so engaged and so checking everything that's happening. Mm. They said this guy apparently was so racked with guilt after having killed him. He went, he was like, "Oh God, I'm going to stop playing now. Read for a bit. Read about that. Read about my favorite game, Days Ed." And then ended up going on PC Gamer, finding everything. Oh God, it was me. <laughs> oh, I can never get away from my crimes. <laughs> I didn't mean to do it. Should we move on to questions from Twitter? Yes. First up, uh, Peter Dickinson asks, just died in Spelunky by accidentally throwing a shop item at a shopkeeper. So what are your silliest deaths in games? Every death in Spelunky is my silliest death yeah. in games. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Xbox version of Spelunky's just come out, so we've been playing a bit of that, but I think the original PC version is still, I think, one of the... Uh, certainly Tom Francis' favourite games yeah. ever. 
I remember when Tom talking about Splunky and Flavor of Death, and Tom was, we'd, um, I, I bought a shotgun and he bought a jetpack and he was carrying me around while I built the <laughs> shotgun. He had the jetpack and I was shooting things out of the air. Wee! He was flying me around and then ended up, I, I jumped out of his of his grasp, fell to my death as, as he was poodling around in the skies going, no, I need my gun back. I, <laughs> I dropped to my death. I'm trying to think of ridic- other ridiculous deaths I had. I had a tremendously good life in Spelunky recently. Um, I was playing over the weekend and it, you, there are these idols, these Indiana Jones style idols scattered about the levels. If you lift them up and a giant boulder comes in and trashes the level um and that tends to hit the shopkeeper if he's anywhere below you and the shopkeeper if he's even slightly if you blow him with air like blow a gust of air at him he freaks out and draws a shotgun <laughs> and just goes freak out as well completely mental yeah. <laughs> does, it, does he only kill you or does he kill everything on the everything okay. uh, also um if you anger them he uh, like he will wait by the exit for every single level from then on forever just with his shotgun he's waiting for you to come down so he can murder you revenge <laughs> You think really with that kind of you know anger management issues, you wouldn't go into a customer-facing environment, <laughs> a shop <laughs> at the bottom of a deadly cave. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, it's going to the best place. Pretty is the best place for him, really. Um, so it activated the boulder and it crashed through the level, and then uh, this massive message just uh, goes terrorist, and that means you've angered the shopkeeper. Um, so we went down and figured out that actually uh, the shopkeeper had disappeared, and we assumed he'd been crushed by the boulder, but his shotgun was there, and his shop was full of all of the bombs. Uh, so I just walked in, picked up the shotgun. Uh, and I went into like the second cave with uh, 29 bombs and a shotgun. <laughs> and I was just there shouting, 29 bombs and a, bo- and a shotgun, bitches. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Come on. What happened? Uh, I, I died to a scorpion. <laughs> so it was a large yellow scorpion. Uh, they are. Yeah. It leaps across the screen. Yeah. Uh, it didn't last. Any silly deaths, though, generally in games? I'm trying to think, think now. Any death in uh, Simitory Dreams? The... Uh, the, the, the drunken robots yeah. slap fighting game. Fall down the stairs. <laughs> Uh, I love that game. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's free as well, isn't it? Some, yes, some I think so. Games. Yeah, or it's like three ninety nine or something like that. Something, something, something cheap. It's like watching drunk men fight if they were wearing Minecraft suits. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> wobbling their arms at each other. And never uh, understood the concept of balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. What's that? No, I can't understand that. I think my silliest death was Minecraft actually, because the very first time I played Minecraft, I came to it really late and didn't want to do what everyone else did. So I said, I'll only play like one life right I'll play it like a roguelike and I'll have one life and I'll have this amazing survivalist adventure in the wilderness and I'll do all this and I didn't look up any of the instructions and I wasn't allowed to look at wiki so I had to come up with the recipes myself I was trying to you know invent hardcore mode probably is anyway um, but this was before the survival stuff mm. and um, and so I was like having a good time exploring 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 and fell down the bottom of a hole and I was at the bottom of this cave and um, I could climb just far enough to drop down again and lose another heart but no higher <laughs> And I couldn't work out how to dig. <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's not ideal for Minecraft, I didn't realize that you held down the button mm, to like oh, yeah. break blocks. I thought you tapped, and so I was tapping, but against like certain kinds of rock. Yeah. Like just tapping isn't fast enough to actually like you know actually hit it hard enough yeah. to break it. It's not like stopping you breaking it, but it will. It will, it will if you try and tap, it will heal faster yeah. than you can tap it. So I was like, oh god, I don't have the tools I need to survive this. I didn't realize that you just held it down. So, but I realized that the only way I could interact with the environment was climbing up a little bit jumping down and taking a heart and so i very slowly beat myself to death the worst worst suicide <laughs> yeah. in history it's like like what happened to you in this beautiful innocent world full of blocks and happy animals chris i wandered around for a bit and killed myself yeah jumped off until <laughs> all my legs snapped yeah and then never played minecraft again <laughs> alex d asks what factions will you be playing as in planet side 2 we kind of talked about this before we did uh we're still terran republic now yep yeah black, black and, and red, red. 
black and red. Yeah. So the the official PC gamer um, outfit will be Terran, but there we has already been. Hmm? We could do the name really, couldn't we? Mm. Like, I, I thought it might just be PCG. Maybe. Maybe. We can get someone to come up with a pun. Yeah. yeah. If you've got any good ideas for a thing, go we've actually got a new forum for it as well. Um, our um, pcgamer.com slash forum is our Planet Side 2 forum. We've got we have a US outfit as well when they when they decide what they're going to be. Yeah. And there's some talk as well of people sort of making alt some of the other yeah. guilds being different factions, different well, services. Well, they're not sure, like not sure yet how many people are going to be in an outfit, whether it's, you know, 100 or 500 or 7 million or whatever. Yeah. So if it's, if it's over full, we can always have an NC. We are pretty excited about it, though. Yes, I've dreamed about it, I think, five times since the last <laughs> podcast when I dreamt about it three times. Yeah. The amount that game... It gets into your head. It does. And you have to yeah, you have to moderate how much you let it, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for... Just for your own sake. Along with everybody else waiting for the... I mean, I, I follow, I'm on, on Reddit. I, like, I subscribe to the the our planet side thing and it is just now everything they do and everything they tweet is, is something that is is just is now put up as sign of the beta question mark yeah and things like like my Hagby, the creative director has very long hair and kind of very large fluffy hair and he said you've mentioned on twitter the other day he's gonna go and get a haircut and everybody suddenly went haircut that must mean it's a beta <laughs> coming soon it's kind of this leap of faith. planet side two beta scene in piece of toast <laughs> <laughs> it's a leap of faith between it and i remember thinking at the time like oh that's really wait a minute actually no that would make sense yeah because um like like I mean, genuinely, nothing has been said about when the beta is actually due to start. Mm. And we had that giveaway in the last issue of PC Gamer. Um, we gave away beta codes, and um, you know, we'll definitely get you into it when when, when it eventually it starts. starts but, yeah. You know, we don't yeah. know when that is, and and we've been having you know loads of emails about it, and people you know trying to sort out people's codes and things, and people are like it's starting tomorrow. No, <laughs> and it's like, but, but then it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah so eventually, it eventually will, happen. It will. And. From what from what people like, obviously Graham and, and Evan played at E3, and they said they made noises all the way along that it was going to be. The problem wasn't the netcode. The problem these days is the internet's so easy, apparently, or whatever that, that it means that. Is it? Well, <laughs> Diablo three. Yeah, but it's not the lag that's the problem. It's, it's actually the, the tech of stuff. People's PCs aren't good enough mm. to be able to run the visual effects rather than the other stuff, mm. which everyone's kind of gone like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Graham played at E3 and they played it linked back. Obviously, it's not too far from San Diego to LA, but linked back to SOE's offices and playing with 100 of them. And he said, yeah, it was fine. I mean, the shooting, he says, was felt like, he said it felt more like it wasn't Battlefield level. It was tribesy level of, of kind of you shoot someone and you don't necessarily see an immediate reaction, but it's still much, much, much better than the old planet side dice rolls behind them. Yeah, Dice yeah. rolls behind the scene that weren't really dice rolls, but felt like dice rolls. So things are looking positive, but I'm not allowing them to look too positive yeah, I mean, otherwise worth, I won't ever sleep again. Like, it's, you know, it's worth moderating any, you know, instinct you might have to th- think that it's going to be this, like, magical experience that plugs directly into your brain and yeah. allows you to have a space adventure forever. But it might be a magical adventure that plugs directly <laughs> into my brain and allows me to have a space adventure forever. Because it sounds like it's my perfect game. <laughs> I am devastatingly excited about it. Yeah. Awesome. Let's move on before we start crying. Um, David Vella asks, are surround sound headsets worth the money? Hmm. How much do you like noises coming from different directions? <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about noise. Right? Well, there you go. <laughs> then you should be buying surround sound. I've, I read something about this recently, actually. Um, that I think real audiophiles basically say that surround sound he- in a headset is is a bit of a I don't like bit, it at all. bit of an illusion, like um, compared to having actual physical speakers in a room around mm. you, it, it's far less accurate. And I was playing with a pair of he- a surround sound wireless headphones recently at home that I didn't like at all. And playing Battlefield, actually, I genuinely. I could tell that it was trying to locate someone's footsteps in 3D space, yeah. but no idea where they were. <laughs> like, you, he's rightish, maybe forwards, and like, but then I'd say it was a teammate who was walking up behind me. Like, They're in the roof. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, that was unconvincing, but that could have been my problem, my you know, my fault for not setting up properly. But 
I always, every time I've used them, I always think it's just witchcraft. Like, like not headphones so much as just surround sound. <laughs> you general. cast them off your head. And burn them. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're playing scary games, you turn around, you know, that's it. If you play something like Amnesia with surround sound and something's actually walking up behind you. No thanks. It's bad enough having come from the left or the right. I don't want to behind as well. <laughs> Gone through about, th- uh, through, I tried three different surround sound headsets in the office because we tend to get headsets and things coming through the office because we PC format and there's all this tech kind of floating around. And, None of them have been very good, even the very expensive ones. Um, in terms of the multi-directional stuff, it kind of does, but it really you really lose loads and loads of bass, and you lose lo- loads of sound Definitely, quality. Yeah. So uh, I really noticed this. Like Battlefield has incredible sound design. It sounds incredible with uh, a good pair of cans that has proper bass subwoofer in there. Um, and you completely lose that with um, the surround sound headset. It just becomes this tinny kind of staticky sound that comes off yeah. from somewhere in the left or somewhere, somewhere in the right behind you-ish. And it's just not worth sacrificing that for me. Um, and often surround sound headsets tend to be so much more expensive as well. Mm. Um, like it's 130 quid, you could probably get you know a fairly low-level room set for that if you wanted to, like just four speakers and a mm. subwoofer, and that'd be much better. That's weird, yeah. I was expecting some kind of wishy-washy response but those are actually very useful things wow. there you go uh, yeah good work <laughs> high five later um ed stone as in uh splash damages uh-huh. uh, writer ah, of brink asks what weapon from one game would you most like to have in another uh, a different game that it's not in naturally we've actually answered this with killing floor already haven't we the pistols from killing floor Pistol killing floor in every game in every game <laughs> yeah. even yeah. i don't know viva pinata or something <laughs> like that I mean, the gravity gun in Amnesia would be nice. Uh, uh, just to you know, take oh, monster. uh, monsters there. Uh, Assembling oh, no, barricades. Chair. Yeah. Uh, use, yeah. Use chair. Or anyone monster. Monster. a gun in Amnesia yeah, yeah, that, to use nice. on yourself. But I, I really want to, well, I want to troll that creature as much as possible. So I want to hit Portal the gun in Amnesia. So have, it, have it going up and down. <laughs> yeah. I, basically, I want to throw a massive toilet at that monster's stupid giant mouth. There really should be, like. someone should have modded that so there is, you know, there is just a fuck you monster mode <laughs> yeah, where it is just, you just get to just... It's a serious Sam. Yeah, yeah. hurl things at him or, or do something to annoy him. There's a YouTube video where the guy who's stacked up a whole load of stuff in oh, the yeah, way yeah, yeah. and he's screaming because he's actually coming into the room but he, the monster can't quite get past <laughs> the barricade. <laughs> he's clipping into it. Just, no, I can't, I can't eat him. <laughs> There's a video of someone who's, you know, hacked a config file or something to make, make him super fast, invulnerable and super strong. Mm. So he's running around the monster faster than the monster can kind of turn properly like throwing chairs at it. And it's kind of amazing that people are terrified enough of that monster yeah. to want to go to that length. Yeah, yeah it's great. To it is, it's weird that level of like. There's very few games that actually have that repulsion of an actual thing. Like mm. um, Half Life 2's screaming leapy zombies did it. Yeah, yeah. Like that kind of actually like oh, no get away, the, from the, get away from the, me. The black head crabs. Yeah, oh, the one like the one hit the, down the to one leg, health. The legged yeah. spider ones. Yeah. Oh, they, actually, I'm getting shivers now. Like, yeah, get, I'm really getting my back up. I oh, hate spiders, and, and they are the closest to spiders that aren't actual spiders. I'm actually better with real spiders in games or spiders game spiders than I. And with the head crabs that look like spiders, it's, it's the knowledge that they, they they nip your health just to one as well, yeah. which is extra. <laughs> and and they, they that noise maybe. Well. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking other weapons that I want could um, transfer well. Turok to cerebral bore. Yeah, in everything. The problem all these things are just I want a good weapon in everything. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. just cause to his rope in. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, a lot good of call. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm trying to think where would that be really inappropriate. <laughs> just <laughs> Mass Effect. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> like, Saren trying to get a no. Yeah. Back. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the tether in Braid, just to tether monsters. Yeah, monsters. You, you, could, you could totally ruin almost any game yeah, by just giving it tether. like Just Cause's tone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we should add more physicality to it, like because Just Cause 2 multiplayer server so has been up for a while now. People are starting to beat a test. Graham was playing the other day. Mm-hmm. And they ended up following um, 
he found YouTube celebrity Total Biscuit standing on top of a, <laughs> a, a, of a large tower and spent a long time just get up next to him just so he can just so he can look at him. Hello. <laughs> ended up not being able to get up there. Yeah. If by looking at him you mean shoot him. Right, shoot him. Yeah, knock <laughs> yeah. him off somehow. Just to yeah, was, that was really fun. Um, watching Graham try and hunt Total Biscuit across that landscape <laughs> was actually hilarious. <laughs> he just like uh, he just couldn't quite get up to this place. So he'd fall off and then uh, activate the parachute and then crash into a helicopter that's going the other way. That uh, is going to doesn't really work in multiplayer. Like it, it glitches all over the place, and people, other people aren't animated. But the sheer chaos that results is mm. worth worth the price of admission. Which I'd is really like zero. Some kind of like we played Dota yesterday and played a hero called Pudge. Pudge with the Pudge hook. Has a yeah. oh, grappling hook that is like a. It's like a skill shot kind of thing, a hook mm. shot item like the grappling hook will be useful in. I don't know, I can see it goes in a game like TF2, where you have mm. an extra level where you could, you know, pull a medic towards you to get attention. I mean, obviously, the problem with that in a game is that you lose control for a second and then someone else gains control, which is bad for the yeah. person losing control. But, you know, it might be fun. Cool. Okay. Adam Dawes asks What do you make of the rapid and huge discount game discounts on Steam? Um, are games going budget too soon? Mastertronic Spectrum games are more expensive. It's a good thing for my wallet. Good thing for everyone's wallet, really. Yeah, it's hard to argue against them, really. Yeah, <laughs> there, I mean, there's some some people have said that it degrades the value of games by doing it by, reducing the by so making cheap, them less expensive. By, by, like, <laughs> by literally <laughs> degrading the value of the game. But it's kind of no the, the value of um, like what it means, what uh, the amount of effort and time that goes into a game, and there's value to that as well, which is goes beyond the monetary value. Mm. And it kind of the idea that it degrades that, that it degrades this work because it's just a pound when it's mm. something that people have put hundreds and hundreds of hours into and it's taken a long time I mean, to make. Especially because it seems to make, developers seem to do very well out of it, yeah, it seems exactly. to make. And it's always worth mentioning that these Steam charts, um, Tom Francis explained this to me, I didn't follow understand it, are based on how much money a game is making, not just how many copies it's sold. Mm. So if you see something that's shot up because it's heavily discounted, that doesn't mean that, you know, oh, they sold 100,000 copies, but they're making 75% less. Yeah. This actually means that their profits are, 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 are ramped up as well, which is kind of, you know, important because it means you're still, you know, you're still patronising the people who make games, you're still investing in the future development of games for the people you want to make games. Well, there's rooms of evidence as well that suggests that, you know, especially in these people who put things on sale end up getting much more money than they ever have before. Mm. So, I mean, the consumer gets the benefit, benefit of having having a cheaper game to buy. The maker gets the benefit of having a sale that they've done and get more money. The only person I guess that loses is the people who buy it at a high price. Mm. But maybe if you're buying a week one, you want to you know, support and adopt early. Yeah, I mean... Seen, um, that's the thing I see very often is people saying... Mm, looks interesting. I'll wait for the Steam sale. Yeah, um, wait for week uh, two or something. But I think that's just a symptom of the fact, uh, I've said this several times in podcasts, that games are generally too expensive yeah. on launch mm. anyway. And the reason that people don't buy them at launch is 30, 40, 50 pounds is a tremendous amount of money for, you know, something, especially a shooter that's going to last you 10 hours. Yeah. Uh, especially when you probably, response. you know, it seems that this, the last Steam sale, you've probably got 15 games from that you haven't exactly, played yet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Play yeah, I mean, it, it, games simply aren't too expensive. Like, it, it, it's, it's stupid that I should be sit, sit here enthusiastic about Spec Ops, a game that I played all the way through and enjoyed, yeah, but, but yeah. cannot recommend it to people at yeah. full price simply because personally i don't think i think 40 pounds is a lot of money and yeah. it's you know you know and the, i hope that the developers definitely you know do well out of that because yeah. they made a game i like and i want them to do well but i also want people to <laughs> feel that they've invested their money wisely yeah especially when games are getting so much better being free to play now things like mm -hmm. tribes and you know various other free to play don't go to an inverted yeah. commas because you have to pay 25 quid yeah that's so life. weird that's currently 25 quid but it'll eventually be free yeah that it's a free to play game that end. you have to yeah it's a free -to -play game you can't get into unless you pay to get into it and then there's no well, the item store is only like quite limited at the moment so yeah it's basically just a game weird james hawley asks uh what games are you looking forward to most over the next 12 months that's a to one each planet side two uh dishonored i'm gonna steal yours chris <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to make the rule that you can say the same game twice <laughs> and say Planet Side 2. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I actually Dishonored. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely Dishonored. That game looks sweet. <laughs> That's all I've got to say about it. It's looking so good. It's, Read um, Tom Francis' like, first hands-on. He's yeah, played one of the missions. It's on the, mm-hmm. it's on the site. It's really good. And the game's looking really good. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird how... It's one, of, it's one of those ones in my head, a bit like Deus Ex was, where Human Revolution was, where it's... Okay, I know that's going to be good. I'm just going to relegate that at the back of my head. I'm going to play that when it comes out. And I'm going to love it, but it's I don't need to worry about it being good now. I mean, for me, like it's a bit like Planet Side thing that if I if I allow myself to think directly at the promise of a kind of steampunky China Melville kind of world with a kind of anarchic political side to yeah, it yeah, about a magic assassin, like <laughs> I'll start to go a bit <laughs> <just> like twitchy. <laughs> <laughs> want to go to there. So so I have to. None of us said Guild Wars two. Oh yeah, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Guild Wars too. And for me, and people are saying about Torchlight kind of being the um, the, the kind of the wine, the next RPG after Diablo three, really Guild Wars is that for me. Mm. Um, it can fit in the same category because there's no subscription fee, and you buy it like you know mm. any other game and just play it. Mm. And so that's going to be my next RPG to sink loads of time into, I think, um, which is coming out late August, which is exciting. Mm. Um, but Dishonored simply because games like that don't come along very often. If you have such potential, yeah. it, we yeah. could be we could be still making e noises about it in a year, hopefully. So mm-hmm. you know, that's that's fingers crossed. Um, Ed Stern asks again, <laughs> what was the last thing each of you ate before recording this podcarp or podcat? Um, I had a, a an M S salad. Oh, fancy! So, yeah, yeah, it was sort of fancy. It was two for three pounds, though, so it wasn't mm. that fancy. Did you have? Three salads? No. Oh, two salads? Two. I bought one for tomorrow as well. Okay. So that's, that's sensible. Mm. Planning. Tom? I had um, a barbecue chicken wrap and some salted cashew nuts and a smoothie, uh, which is the result of the Boots meal deal. The uh, oh, Yeah, right. the PC game of Patronized Boots meal deal. Yeah. <laughs> we go to all the time. Um, I also went for the Boots meal deal. I had salt and vinegar crisps, yes. a uh, Boots uh, three bean wrap, Ooh. and a bottle of vitamin water. Lovely. I'm not sure if that was the best or worst part of the podcast <laughs> so far. It was the worst time. Okay, excellent. Um, <laughs> That's your answer. Uh, Jazza asks, when do you think the Steam Summer Sales will begin? When summer starts, when eventually we see when the it sun stops again. raining, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's some speculation. Uh, we've got a chap, uh, Robert, in a work experience who, who's convinced it's going to be Thursday this week. Uh, so if it isn't, blame him. But other than that, um, <laughs> there's a little shout out there's there. There's been some, um, uh, some details of what might be in it have leaked, allegedly. Games. Uh, yeah, lots of games. There's apparently a massive Bethesda bundle coming. Um, this is great because by the time this goes out, the scene will say it'll probably be live and I'll probably be entirely wrong. But yeah. uh, it's supposed to be a massive Bethesda. Skyrim's day. still full price forever. Um, Daily Indie Deals was in on the list as well. Some mm. cool stuff there. So yeah. yeah, I think Steam has a really good opportunity to buy, get all that indie stuff you missed. Yeah, like mm. it's always a nice use of it, especially when there's bundles. If there's two games you want, it's probably worth it for the rest. Yeah. Luke Connor asks: Is Armor Two worth getting? I know there's been a lot of hype about the mod, DayZ, but what about the main game? It is great if you are willing to put up with it. You need to know what it is. It's good, to, it's good to get an idea of what it is and what it could be. It's one of those games where you get out as much as you put in, but probably a bit less than you put in, just put in a hell of a lot to actually do stuff. So Evan is our arm expert, and he plays on a server with 60 other people quite regularly, and they all talk like military men, <laughs> as Americans all want to do. And um, they love you know the whole... Tango down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> this is why the planet side thing is going to be such a <laughs> yes. disaster. Man in a man help. <laughs> help me, man. But it's yeah. If you if you have a tolerance for that kind of thing and the ability to seek out and find and then get in with your community, you will probably love it like no other games. But you have to be willing to accept the fact that it's it's a little bit shonky. It's not beautiful in some ways, 
it's quite mm. badly designed in other ways, but also it's brilliantly well designed in other ways, and sometimes it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> but it depends on how you look. I mean, the landscape's like phenomenal. Yeah, um, I'd recommend the, uh, you try um, Armor Two Free, which is I think there's a big huge nice. demo build of that. Which yeah, you can just go out and play, and it's you get low. I think it's a really generous demo of the game basically. I had I had most fun playing Armor PMC, which is private military, military company, company. <laughs> and I played that with Tri- Tim Monkey Catcher. <laughs> yeah, private man. I had a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> I played that with, with Tim and Owen, and it, that was great, not because we did the whole serious business thing, but because I got on a push bike, and <laughs> while well, the other two guys were in a like a heavily armed attack chopper, and I circled them in the attack chopper while they were trying to learn how to take off, and as they took off, I then cycled as fast as my little soldier legs would carry me down a road, and then got them to try and strafe me, <laughs> and they did strafe me, but in strafing me also landed on me in the helicopter, which at the sight of both of them sat there very serious in this in this massive Apache ch- attack chopper while I was cycling away, ringing the bell that you can ring <laughs> on the bike as fast as possible. PMC is basically a playground, where it gives you a large space filled with all the game's vehicles, and you can do what you want with them. Awesome. I did also play a quite serious mission with Martin and Owen, where we... Started off in a crash helicopter and had to get to a village and then get an exfil from the village, and that was amazing. That um, we took five attempts for us to play it seriously. The first couple of times we started shooting each other, then we just missed shots and played really like stupidly. And then the last time, eventually, we were like, right, I'm gonna be. I was a sniper, like Martin was a spotter, and Owen was kind of the runner who was gonna like get to a rock, secure the position, and then bring us all over. And we got to the village and we all ran out of ammo halfway through getting down to the village. So the final scene was us sprinting to this chopper as the sun was rising, as tracer fire was coming across the top of the chopper because people were shooting at us, so like small arms fire across the hill that we'd been at. And over Skype, we were like, oh God, you know, proper like war kind of moment where we were all screaming, but also quite quite measured screaming. It wasn't just the, the general planet side that it's going to happen screaming. It felt like it felt like <laughs> an actual war, like it felt good. And that that kind of moment, if you've got three or four friends to willing to play with, you have a great time. If you're on your own, yeah, less mm. so. And, you know, also if you signed up for the Planet Side 2 outfit and you're not ready for wordless yelling yeah. 24-7, you're in for a surprise. Yeah, you need to. There's going to be probably a serious <laughs> mini outfit and then a, a wordless yelling mini outfit yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> a good little demo there for you. noises in this uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Che B asks, um, how do I convince my console friends to move to the PC in under a minute? Um, I'm not sure whether he means how do he's how does he convince them in under a minute? How do they move under in under a minute, or whether we explain it in under a minute? So let's go for all three. Okay. <laughs> God, <laughs> I suppose if you start them on a wheelchair, it's easy to literally move them over to a, to a PC. Um, what in terms of the games? I guess you just get the prettiest looking game you can. Oh, Battlefield Three. Show them the console version of that, and then the PC version of that, and go mm. ta-da, and then push them in their chair. Show them a stone machine, a, a sheem stale. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else say what I was trying to say. I um, don't know what you were Show doing. them a steam set. That's hard to say, right? Just show in my defense. Yeah. yeah. Show them a steam set. Like you know, PCs are expensive, but if you can regularly pick up more that games than you can possibly play for hardly any money, then suddenly going back to spending forty quid, fifty quid a pop. For games on console, yeah, seems like silly money. I'm sure, there's probably a graph. It's over a minute. I'm sorry, but I'm sure there's a graph where if you, you know, you compare pieces, you get Graham got his 500 pounds and he's still playing it on everything on high, and that was about a year ago. 500 quid worth the PC. He spent obviously less normally, but he would have spent less if he'd Steam sales. Mm. Then console people were on 40 pounds a game, and I'm sure the money he spent on that has evened out now. Like it, three or four games will even out the cash. You 150 quid for a console plus however many games you need as well. That's cheaper funny. and prettier. Cheaper and prettier. And more online and, and more also on- weird things like Day Zedia. <laughs> <laughs> well, there must be more. Weirder, cheaper, prettier yeah. PC <laughs> games. 
Cool. Um, okay, uh, Duncan Gear of, of Wired and who, who writes for us and, and, and friend of PC Gamer demands all pick. <laughs> <laughs> We've been playing Dota 2 with Duncan. He's in the Jono squad and, um, and he, he would like us to pick our characters. Who are you in, in Dota, Rich? In Dota, I am Sniper or Gyrocopter, both of whom annoy me in the <laughs> way they talk. They're both dwarves. Yeah, they're both, they are both dwarves. And they're both also like kind of steampunky, goggly things, which I'm not normally a fan of. And I'm not normally a fan of people who go, a yeah. lot, even though I... Sniper is really to. annoying. <laughs> Yes, and also I haven't realised until last night that I, I play with speakers yeah, and headphones and everyone can hear me. <laughs> and I'm very sorry for that. Yeah. I, I will turn off game <laughs> sounds. That's what I hear in the background when you play. Yeah, um, I should stop that. And I, I honestly hadn't realised. I'm so sorry. But yeah, Sniper or, or Gyrocopter. Cool. Tom, who is your uh, Dota um, choice at the moment? I haven't played that much of it, but I guess Sand King is one of the first ones I mm. got into. And he's quite flexible and quite easy to use. Uh, as a backup, I've been using Luna a little bit. I quite like the idea of zapping people with Moonlight. Where is Luna from? I I thought the she was moon. Scottish at first. Oh, like, no, her, her no, voice, she's... but it's really weird. No, like, I thought it was Scottish. Wasn't I thought it was Scottish, but I, but it could be Geordie. I don't know. It's really strange. <laughs> like, it's it is really. Close. I don't know what they were. It doesn't going for. fit her but at all. The, the character names are strange in Dota. Yeah. Luna, Lena, and Lich. There's Luna, Lena, and Lich. There's like three different phantoms. Yeah, Phantom Assassin, Phantom uh, Hunter, uh, Phantom. Yeah. Also, Phantom Ghost, yeah. <laughs> Double Ghost, <laughs> Spectre Spectre, Ultra Phil ghost. Spectre, yeah. Renter Ghost, <laughs> Warren Spectre. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, um, and I'm playing Storm Spirit, who's the the fattest. He's, I love Storm Spirit. Uh, he's just chewing all that scenery. It's I love him so much. I wish you turn up your speakers and I turn mine. Yeah, down. <laughs> yeah. I um I, I try and get first blood simply so we can hear the little, little acceptance speech he does when he gets first blood. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I wish I could do an impression of him. We have just, one of our other guys, Quentin Smith, plays Broodmother quite regularly. What does she? she <laughs> first she gets... blood for mother. <laughs> <It's really weird>. <laughs> <laughs> she's a massive spider, just yeah. like Quentin. But, but yeah, he's it, a strange. She's a strange character to play. Her. She's just massive. He's spider. a strange character. We were thinking this the other day. They should totally do a Dota game just with like historical figures. Mm. Well, that's sort of <laughs> is, I John guess, Keats, <laughs> John Winston Keats, Churchill versus you know John Keats La- Lafayette and Hitler. <laughs> Churchill's at <laughs> <just> mid. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus takes three days to respond. Yeah, Gandhi's on the suicide lane, <laughs> moving to Gank. It's sort of what um, Blizzard Dota is as well. Bl- sorry, Blizzard also is historical things. Gandhi <laughs> moving to Gank is. Uh, oh yeah, let's, okay. I'm, right, pull, uh, I'm pulling the drawstring on this conversation. Jesus, not to Gank. Uh, um, so Dota Blizzard does, of course, match actually because yeah. you get all this Starcraft too. You get like um, they are kind of our historical figures, I guess. You have people like Jim Rayner and, and yeah, and, indeed, and yeah, a siege historical. tank to play as as well, which is my favourite. I mean, I know Valve won't because they're totally going to stick with the the the, the Dota setting and. The quite the people take it quite seriously the the, the fantasy mm. Dota and the world that's set in, but Even the there's so much room to parachute characters into that oh, thing, yeah, like TF2 characters and Gordon well, Freeman and Headcrab and Snipers. All the Snipers' taunts come from the Sniper in TF2, so he says thanks for standing still, wanker, and things like that, <laughs> <laughs> but in a, like a, like a dwarfy accent. Instead. <laughs> that's more offensive than they possibly yeah. thought. It's, it's like it's, all the other. I play Sniper in TF2, so you know it, it, I'm like. You just play snipers, Rich. Yeah. This, this is what this is. It's true. Yeah. Every game, I, if he's, ooh, hey, cool, he's called Cool, lone, sniper. wolfy dude. Well, that's that. the thing. I, I never thought <laughs> I was any Making high-pitched whimpering noises. <laughs> exactly. I never yeah. thought I was any good at sniping until like tribes came along. I was like, oh, I'm actually all right at this. So. Yeah, but they, they've just added two new heroes. One of them's an undead dude. And... Uh, he does, he's got a massive speech about gummy vitamins and how much he loves gummy vitamins it's on YouTube but it's yeah. super serious it's, yeah, it's it very is super serious, super serious. We'll, we should put a link, link to that in the post that'd be good cool uh, so I think we'll we'll wrap up there just to uh, plug the new issue of the magazine which is on the shelves now which is our Rome 2 cover 
which is the big exciting reveal of the the moment that we haven't talked about at all. Oh, yeah, yeah we should talk about Rome too. Um, it but is hugely exciting. It is very exciting. We've got a big preview up on the site, videos, interviews with the uh, two of the designers, and we've got another interview going up shortly uh, with the lead designer on Total War, and that's our cover this month. We've also got a really um, cool feature. Uh, Tim Stone has been driving a bus in the oh, Omnibus Om- Simulator. Omsi, for Omsi. sure. Um, where he, um, his enthusiasm for driving a bus at night is actually surprisingly infectious. Palpable. It's amazing. It's palpable, yeah. Just, you can those taste pages. those buses. We also look at our, our beautiful Minecraft server as well, which we should yeah. plug because our beautiful Minecraft server is absolutely beautiful. It is stunning. I, I, I went in for a good explore. We've got like a proper 3D render of it, which we've kind of extrapolated out into a beautiful landscape image. It's, um, just, it's just unreal. Like the time and effort and creativity on show it's, is astounding. If you could fly a dropship through that thing, I don't think I'd be able to handle it emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I went exploring to take pictures and um, and thanks to the Minecraft server guys actually for helping us get pictures. They were really good this month. They're um, also just, and generally, just genuinely awesome chaps. Yeah, but, um, but exploring it is a bit like going on holiday to somewhere absurd. Yeah. Like, it's just like, you're wandering this wonderful place and you might see a huge life-size cathedral and then a, and then a pyramid and then the Normandy from Mass Effect. Yeah. And then and that's just the sport oh, area. And, and yeah, and it's just yeah, it's phenomenal. So good job for those guys. They deserve. It's great when you just wander around the wilderness and find exposure. find a thing that they've just you know, just someone's put there. Even though they've not, that person then hasn't gone around going, look at this, look at this. Just left it there. Yeah, yeah. So I've just fine. done an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to get someone to PC gaming, cheap. It's 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 weird. <laughs> cheap is weird. It's pretty. And it's, our Minecraft server. And our Minecraft <laughs> server. Yeah. It's it's quite cute at the moment because obviously OXM, who are friends in London, but Mm. System Magazine as well, I've got their own Minecraft server for the Xbox. And they're like, we built a tower that was four stories tall. It's like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, life-size Warhammer 40k Titan. Yeah, come at us. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. (laughs) And on that note, I will say goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. That's all of us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.